You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry. I am joined by the stars of the show, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. Mike Farrell, how was your Easter? Did you do any egg hunting? No egg hunting. I went to some crappy buffet with my in-laws. And it was like the longest hour and a half of my life. <laughs> at the buffet you were at an hour and a half or getting a plate filled? <laughs> Most of the time I was there, I was getting the plate. But uh, the food was good. But, you know, A little Easter prime buffet, rib, a little shrimp? No, no, just breakfast. I did breakfast. But oh, uh, God. nobody in the family wanted to host Easter because nobody really likes each other. And I don't have any family. There's no family left for all my family's dead. So uh, I have to rely on my wife's family and they don't really dig each other that much. So it was pretty horrible. Although I was home at 1230 because we went at 11 and then spent the rest of the day watching. I watched a little golf. Uh, I forget what else I watched. Baseball. I watched some of The Wire. No, I don't watch baseball. Baseball sucks. I'm watching yeah. The Wire now, which is circa 2003. Yeah, I was going to say, welcome to the 21st century. Yeah, I don't know why I started watching it. It's good, but it's a little old. I should have watched something new. But but anyways, enough about me. Let's talk more about me. Yeah, well, we, yeah. Uh, we, were, we didn't have an episode last week, so we got a few things to talk about. Well, we also have a commitment, finally. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that there's no commitments out there. I'm so used to April and March, and especially April and May, being loaded with commitments. So, one of your guys, Gorns. Yeah, we Gabriel thought... Gabriel Floyd goes to Texas. How Will that stick? That's the question. I think it does, and here's why. He absolutely loves Todd Orlando. He loves Tom Herman. He had been committed already to USC and then backed off that. I think he probably wants to get out of Los Angeles in the Pac-12. So I think it does stick. Um, a lot of those premium 7-on-7 kids were at Texas. They did a kind of a Texas tour. They, they were all over the state this past weekend. And the word I got from my sources, and when you say from my sources, that means it's like official, you know, it's like big time, it's big secret. Uh, is that he loved Texas and will stick, and that Bryce Young, the 2020 quarterback, um, is very serious about Texas as well. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how USC handles DJ Uwagalele and Bryce Young in the 2020 class. I think, you know, the the Bosco kid Uwagalele is the top target, 6'5", 240, looks like Ben Roethlisberger already. Um uh, and then Bryce Young, it, 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 he just kind of looks like one of those Big 12 quarterbacks who could put up lots of numbers, whether that's at Oklahoma, at Texas. I know he absolutely loved Texas. He stayed an extra day to watch another practice uh, and kind of skipped out on one of the, the final stops of that premium tour. So I think Texas is making a move in California, and DeGabriel Floyd is a good one. I don't think it sticks. I think okay. he goes back to back to USC. Does he hate USC? I mean, he committed there. No, doesn't hate it. They're going to push. You know they're going to push. He doesn't hate USC, but he's a former teammate of Joseph Lewis. We know how that kind of played out at USC. Jalen Hall didn't go to USC. Uh, you know, Floyd was committed there. They took a ton of linebackers in the 2018 class. It was something that he was watching pretty closely as they loaded up with linebackers in, in this last recruiting class. So I think he's kind of looking out a little bit, and, and I think Texas is – Far enough away that he can kind of have his own life out there, but close enough that it's only a two-and-a-half-hour flight. Dave and I have made that flight numerous times to San Antonio. It's not too, too bad. So uh, I, I actually think he will stick with Texas, and uh, it's kind of done now. Well, I don't think so. Nothing's done. You know, He's saying no, all the I right don't. things. He's not going to listen to anybody else. Okay. He's 100% committed. Okay. Tell me. I saw, I saw a thousand... I thought he well, said thousand, a yeah, thousand percent committed. That's yeah. even more committed than a hundred. He's not going to take any other official visits. He's only taking an official visit to uh, Texas. 
good. So he's saying all the right things. And again, listen, I don't know. I just look at a California kid who commits to Texas, and it's his second commitment this early. I think Justin Watkins, and I'm like, uh, well. Yeah, and and we know this business. We know this business well enough that uh, really what matters is a week around signing day, and everything else is just, uh, you know people making decisions and saying a thousand percent committed and stuff but they got Cameron Rising from California last year uh he and Cameron Rising know each other that's a connection um quarterbacks are different though you know you can get a quarterback from anywhere in the country yeah that's true Uh, it's that's where you know I mean Matt Stafford Georgia and on and on and on I don't know. I, 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 I decided for tomorrow's three-point stance because I have nothing to write about because this is the worst time of year and there's nothing going on. Yeah. To list the five guys that uh, have committed early from out of state that could be the toughest to hold on, and I had him in there. I have Chris Hinton from Georgia in there. He's going to Michigan. Um, Logan Brown from Michigan who's going to Wisconsin. And then, of course, the two kids going to Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Williams and uh, uh, what's Beeson. Uh, Beeson. Beeson. Yeah, so those two guys, and I know there's connections at Dallas, Bishop Dunn, um, and I know Williams' coach, high school coach, is now employed by Illinois, but I think those two will be tough. So Illinois kind of reminds me of Kansas last year when they had Jamar Chase and uh, Devonta Jason and, and – um, uh, Corian uh, Harris, yeah, Corian Harris. You know, uh, you just knew they aren't, they weren't all going to st- stick. So I think Illinois got a couple of those. But I wrote that because there's nothing else to write about. Um, <laughs> I dare you, I dare you to come up with interesting topics to write about. I should just write about Shaquem Griffin not being draftable every three point stance I write about because that seems to be. I mean, it's so bad that I wrote about Johnny Manziel. That's how yeah. bad it is. Yeah, yeah, and take two is going to be about Johnny Manziel this week because it's starting to get light on the topics. Uh, you know, spring ball is kind of wrapping up, and coaches or whatever, and nothing's really going on. And Urban Meyer was uh, trending on Twitter this morning because he was talking about Tough Borland coming back from injury by September, and I was like, oh, that's that's what it was. And then Little Caesars was trending on Twitter, so I immediately clicked on that to see what was happening. And they're giving away free pizza today. Free, yeah, there's free pizza today. So right now, um, it's World Autism Awareness Day. Uh, Mother Nature is tr- trending because trending. there's freaking snow here in Connecticut uh, on April second. Um, you, like you mentioned, Urban Meyer and Josh Rosen is uh trending we're gonna get to him trying to figure out he's down the line here a little bit but another backhanded compliment from jim mora we'll get to that in a second so but again oklahoma has had so much success in california in the big 12 yeah so i think texas you know starting to match that makes sense um you know i know the kid was committed to usc previously i was just like you know this is one of those west coast kids who's committed his second commitment and he's going to decommit, and he's going to, you know, commit four times. But that's just me being, that's just me being me. So Illinois, though, as I mentioned, I mean, Jamar Chase committed for a week. Yep. Uh, Devonta Jason lasted for quite some time. Corion Harris ended up sticking. So Kansas ended up getting one out of their three. If Illinois can get, you know, one out of these two, and again, one of their high school coaches is on the staff, so that's a good thing. But if they go two and ten, I mean these guys got to start looking elsewhere. So I don't know what's going on with Illinois recruiting wise. Um, I know there's connections to Bishop Dunn, and I know the high school coach helps. But it's really odd for Illinois to have two rivals 100 kids committed after what we saw on the football field last year. Yeah, very legit. Very legit kids could, could could come in immediately to Champaign and, and be big-time starters there. I mean, I said this before when we talked about this, that I watched Illinois plenty of times last year, and, it, and they looked god-awful on the field, terrible almost at every position. Uh, and so guys like that can kind of step in and be immediate contributors. But, yes, we did see this at Kansas before. We have see early commitments rarely – I mean – I don't know what the numbers are, but it's almost like if you're an early commitment, it's almost guaranteed that you're not going to that school. 
uh, and you're going to go somewhere else. A lot of kids decommit and go somewhere else, especially to programs uh, you know that have been so poor on the field. Yeah, playing for Levy Smith, who has NFL experience, is a big thing. Playing for Hardy Nickerson on defense would be a big thing for a lot of kids. They have a good staff, and there are connections. But I just don't see these two kids uh, being committed. We said that about the Kansas kids last year and got some backlash. Uh, I well, won't say Harris, who. We did get some backlash, some internal backlash. <laughs> um, but Harris only stuck because Mississippi State didn't have room for him. He was going with Devontae Jason, and they said, you know, we don't have room. So which is, which he, is hard he to believe. Yeah. yeah, he was going to flip, though. You know, so, I mean, he would, he would have been gone as well, so they got lucky there. Um, Lovey reminds me of Herm Edwards in a few different ways. You know, he's just so out of touch when it comes to what college football is all about. He hasn't been in college football in a hundred years. I saw Herm Edwards defending himself this week saying that he watches (laughs) football every day. So, so essentially any, anybody who subscribes to rivals could be a head football coach in college football, because as long as you watch football every day, um, then, then you're okay. But I just think it's a, it's going to be a failure. It's not going to work out. I said it when he was hired that it was a bad hire. Herm is a bad hire. Uh, I don't think these kids stick. But they're getting a little bit of buzz out of it. They can't have a season worse than Kansas did last year. I no. don't think that's possible. Um, so, like I said, if they keep one of these guys, it'll be a little victory for them. But will it really matter in the long run? I mean, is one of these guys going to make them uh, a a three and nine team instead of a two and ten team yeah does it matter i mean they stink and uh you know if 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 either of these kids is looking at illinois next season and being like oh if i see a little bit of a turnaround maybe i'll stick with them they were two and ten last year they'll they'll probably beat kent state and western illinois and then they're they'll probably they'll probably be not favored in any other game the rest of the season south florida they'll lose to which they got they lost to last year. Penn State, obviously, they'll lose to because Penn State could beat anybody in the country. Uh, you know, at Rutgers, at Maryland, at Nebraska, Northwestern. I mean, the Big Ten schedule is not going to be uh, very kind to Illinois. They were 0 and 9 last year. I would expect best case scenario is 1 and 8, 2 and 7. Does that mean either of these kids see a turnaround in the, in the works? No, I don't think so. I don't think either of these kids looks at Illinois football and is like, that's a, that's a program that I want to be a part of and uh, I can I can turn around. I think they look at it like, I know the coach there. I'm going to be you know taken care of by the people I know there and I could get on the field immediately there. So it'll be interesting to see if other schools back off and just kind of let them do their thing uh, or if they get really aggressive later. I'm sure schools are going to try to come in and steal them and they're going to have every right uh, too. So if they stick with Illinois, I'd be surprised. So let's move on to a program that's a little bit more popular than Illinois that people like to talk about. <laughs> Does Michigan being in the national championship game, and again, we're taping this podcast before the national championship game, which I think Villanova is going to destroy Michigan, but um, doesn't matter. Michigan is in the final. Does it hurt Jim Harbaugh that Beeline is in the final? How would it? Well, expectations are so high at Michigan because Jim Harbaugh is the savior. Yeah. He's trending backwards. Um, you know, this past season wasn't as good as his first two seasons. He still hasn't developed a quarterback. Recruiting was down last year. Um, I think if you asked anybody three years ago or four years ago which team would be playing for a national championship, football or basketball, what would the answer be? Yeah, football. Um, and the hopes are still pretty high there that he can get some things done. It's interesting. I read something in the Detroit News this week that uh, Harbaugh has gone to everybody in the in the in the locker room and basically asked for their opinions on what he's not doing right and kind of told them what they're not doing right. And some Karan Higdon said that he was Harbaugh was looking for a hug and all this kind of stuff, which might just be another tactic to figure it out, but. It's almost. It almost feels like Harbaugh doesn't know what to do to to fix this. Uh, Shea Patterson, if he becomes eligible, I think he's still kind of working through the process. Will solve some problems if they're willing to open up the offense a little bit. But you know, third, third, and fourth in their own division, they're not even sniffing college football playoff. They're not even close. If you watch them on on the field, I mean, it's just kind of boring, and they can't really do a whole lot on offense and. 
that's how you're going to win uh, in the Big Ten. So, you know, obviously the defense is fine, but they're not close to Penn State right now. Uh, they're definitely not close to Ohio State right now, and he can't figure it out. So uh, going around and asking your players how to run the program, I'm not entirely sure that's the best way to do things. I think he's just looking for some outside opinions to see uh, uh, how, to, how the hell to, to fix this thing because it's not close right now. So if Michigan wins at all, what do you think? I mean, I know basketball and football don't really cross over, but does that put more pressure on them? No, I don't think it puts any pressure on them. They'll forget about basketball once you know once the season comes, and there'll still be a hundred thousand hundred thousand people in the big house. So, I don't think it puts any pressure on him. I think he has at least five or six years to figure this thing out. They're never going to fire him. I mean, he he could step down in some situation, but uh, the 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 question really, I think, is how, how does this play out over the next few years? Does Michigan start beating Ohio State regularly? Um, do they do they beat Michigan State regularly, which has not been the case? Do they can they beat Penn State regularly? I don't know. Now that Saquon Barkley is gone and that team is you know was a little bit of a special run there, and now they can kind of come back down to earth. But you know, do are are Michigan fans going to be happy with finishing sometimes first in the Big Ten East, sometimes second, sometimes third? They finished fourth this past year. How does this play out to where Michigan? becomes an elite national power. And I don't think it's by running the ball, using the fullback, all the stuff that Bo Schembechler did in the 80s and 70s. Uh, you know, he's, Harbaugh kind of tries to be this old school coach with his glasses and his someone carrying a cord for his dumb headset and all this stuff. And it just, it, honestly, it's, it's, it's failed. And Beeline was paid well. I mean, he's the seventh highest paid coach in the NCAA tournament. Behind these names, Patino, Calipari, and of course Patino's gone, but <laughs> Calipari, um, Shashevsky, Bill Self, Tom Izzo, and Bob Huggins. So, you know, he makes good money. He makes $3.37 million, but isn't that a third of what Harbaugh makes? I think it's a third. Now, again, basketball is not the, the revenue producer that football is, but... I don't know, man. I, I think it. I think it ramps up the pressure a little bit if Michigan basketball wins the national championship. I, I just think, not maybe not internally, maybe not at Michigan, maybe not for the fans there, but for everybody else in the world who hates Jim Harbaugh or hates Michigan, all the ones that want to write things about it. If he comes out and has an eight and four season and goes to a middling bowl game. Uh, after they won a national championship in basketball, it's going to be written about over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, it will be, and, and I'm looking at their schedule now. They start at Notre Dame. That's not going to be easy. They have Western Michigan, SMU, Nebraska, Northwestern, so they're going to probably go, and you know, they have, they have Wisconsin. They go to Michigan State. They have Penn State. They go to Ohio State. It's not going to be easy. I mean, 9-3? and three? Is 9-3 and three what people in Ann Arbor want? I don't think so, and so, you know, that would probably put them second or third in the Big Ten East at best. Um, and so it's going to be just kind of one another one of those seasons with uh, another quarterback. We'll see if it's Shea Patterson. We'll see how that all plays out. And I think it's going to be important for Harbaugh to open up the offense if Shea Patterson does get that uh, does get you know uh, qualified or allowed to play or whatever you want to say. Um, Nine and three is pretty uh, optimistic there, Gorney. Well, I mean they're going to beat Western Michigan, SMU, Nebraska, Northwestern, Maryland. Rutgers and Indiana, so that's eight right there. Let's hold on. I mean, okay, Northwestern I don't think is a gimme. I think that's a pretty good football team, and I don't think Michigan is this powerhouse that's just going to roll over Northwestern automatically just because they're Michigan. Yeah. Notre Dame is not easy. Uh, Michigan State is on the road. Wisconsin's not easy. Penn State isn't easy. And Ohio State, we all know yeah, about that. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, so that's four or five right there. Four or five losses right there. Yeah. And again, let's give them Northwestern. Right now, I can't say that they're better than Wisconsin. They're better than Michigan State. They're better than Penn State, or they're better than Ohio State. So eight and four right there. Nine and three is, might be good. It, yeah, it might be uh, very optimistic for this team. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. And then that would put them with one... 
four losses in in conference again, which would probably put them in third or fourth place and right back in the Big Ten East, and maybe that's where they belong. That's that's the and that's you know, what that's everybody harps on is that they, they can't win their own division. They can't even finish second in their own division. He's never finished higher than third in his own division. If that happens again, you know, while basketball is I mean, when's the last time basketball won a national championship at Michigan? Uh let me look. It was like uh eighty nine or ninety, wasn't it? When yeah, Steve long, Fisher took over with the Fab Five. Yes, yeah, Steve Fisher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when's the last time they won a football national championship? It was the eighties as well, right? Yep. I'm just saying. I don't know. They're Again, not fire him, though. No, I'm not saying they're going to fire him. I'm not that stupid. He's not even going to be on the hot seat if they finish third or fourth. He's not on any hot seat. He'll never be on a hot seat. He could go eight and four for the rest of his life, and he'll never be fired or touched. He would have to start going four and eight consistently for them to make a change. Yeah, if, they, if there but, was a change to be made, the way I see the change being made is that he just drives himself so crazy going 8-4 and four that he just is, is, is finished. Well, I think, honestly, the media and fans would drive him crazy. Yeah. I don't think he'd drive himself crazy. I think that the constant, you know, you just can't win. We started seeing it at the end of last year, you know, when they couldn't beat rivals, and all that stuff started bugging him. Yeah. You could tell it was bugging him, you know? Um, so if he can't beat Ohio State this year, if he can't beat Michigan State again this year, um, and it just keeps going and going and going that way, then I think the constant negativity will get to him, and, and he's a guy who probably doesn't thrive on constant negativity because he's Mr. Positive. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's an interesting topic simply because nobody really expected Michigan – with what a 13 and five in conference record or something like that to be in the finals, to have a chance to win the national championship. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where Michigan fans thought Harbaugh would have them competing in the playoff by now. And, uh, it's surprising to many that, you know, it's, it's not really surprising that Kansas is in the final four and, you know, competing for national championships ahead of the football program. Right. Um, you know, football program's horrible. But for the basketball program to be ahead of football at this point in time, after you've thrown out $9 million a year to a guy, I think that's worth talking about. Now, if Michigan fans won't agree. They'll all think I hate Jim Harbaugh, which I don't. Jim Harbaugh is great for college football. He's great for me because he gives me something to write about constantly. Although he's really toned down his game. You know, there's no climbing trees or sleepovers or any of the other stupid things that he did recruiting-wise. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if those will come back, though, because he didn't do that this year, and they finished 24th in the country in recruiting, and that's not so hot. Um, so maybe he needs to do sleepovers and climb trees and do other go-kart-related activities to uh, to recruit well, and maybe he just didn't have his mojo last year. Yeah, I think, I think he needs to hunker down and be serious about it and I don't think you know sleepovers are, are the way to do that so climbing trees or sitting in class with kids and all that you know hokey stuff that that he tried for a little while and he's so different and special I just don't buy it so you know I like to see results on the field Urban Meyer never did any of that stuff and he wins and he wins national ch- titles and he's doing a great job and James Franklin has a little bit of that uh kind of gets after it recruiting kids have said he's almost annoying recruiting that's how active he is but he's not putting pjs on and sleeping over kids houses um and and he went to the rose bowl and won the fiesta bowl this year so uh you know i i think i think harbaugh has hunker needs to hunker down and uh figure this thing out the problem is is there enough talent on that Michigan team to compete against Wisconsin and Penn State and Ohio State? I, I would say right now, no. So uh, I don't care who's coaching the team. Uh, Steve Spurrier said it was the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. And so, uh, you know, I, I just don't know if they're talented enough to compete with these teams. I, I think Harbaugh's a fine coach. He does a good job. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if, Penn State's rolling out Saquon Barkley, then Michigan doesn't have much of a chance. If Ohio State has better players at almost every position, Michigan won't have much of a chance. Speaking of annoying coaches, Jim Moore is annoying. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. He is. I mean, this is just 
this is crap is what this is. Yep. And we, again, we have an affinity for Josh Rosen. There's there's definitely a bias there for Josh Rosen. Both you and I have it. We're willing to admit it. We had him as our number one quarterback that year. He was the best quarterback I'd ever scouted until Trevor Lawrence came along this past year. We like him because he's funny. Uh, he'll say what he has to say. He doesn't care what people think. We like guys like that. But first of all, for him to say that if he were drafting, he would take Sam Darnold number one if he were the Browns. Um, and then, you know, sort of trying to cover that up by saying, you know, Rosen's better for New York. He's not a, he's not a, a you know, a blue blood. Blue collar. <laughs> you know, yeah. Blue collar. Sorry, not blue blood. Blue collar guy like Cleveland needs. Like Sam Darnold is a blue collar guy. I mean, right. You know, <laughs> But then he just recently came out and said that he needs to be challenged intellectually so he doesn't get bored. He's a millennial. He wants to know why about everything. Millennials, once they know why, they're good. He has a lot of interest in life. If you can hold his concentration level and focus only on football for a few years, he'll set the world on fire. He has so much ability, and he's a really good kid. Maybe you were just a crappy coach. Maybe you right. just sucked. You had so much talent at UCLA. I mean, even... If you're UCLA, USC obviously has a huge home state recruiting advantage, and they get, you know, most of the top kids. But at UCLA, you get the scraps. It's like whoever's hanging out with, like, I don't know. I'm going to give you an example, and I don't even know if he's popular or whatever. But let's say you're hanging out with uh, Bradley Cooper, right? Yes. I don't care who you are. You're going to pull some good-looking girls, right? Right, right. And that's what UCLA is. They're yes. hanging out with Bradley Cooper. So you're going to pull enough talent where you should be better than whatever they have been under Jim Mora, especially the last couple of years where they've been an absolute joke and the team just quit. So you're a crappy coach. You got fired because of it, rightfully so. And now you're just crapping on your quarterback over and over again. Why don't you just shut up? Just don't say anything. If you got nothing good to say, just shut up. So he's annoying me. Every all of these kids are millennials, right? Yeah, and, and and now now it's wrong for kids to ask why about things because people just don't fall into line. And like Josh Rosen is a smart kid who wants to know why. Now that's being seen as a criticism of his. Like, don't you think that's that's like a positive of his? Jim Mora went forty six and thirty two, twenty nine and twenty four. In 2017, he was five and six before getting fired, and and uh, he had the best quarterback in the draft. And he had Colton Miller, who now is starting to emerge as a possible first round talent at left tackle. And he had you know Jordan Lasley on the outside, who was very talented. And he had Soso Jamabo, and he did nothing with him. And I, it's not exact. And he had Miles Jack, and it's not exactly like they didn't have good players there, and they couldn't compete for Pac-12 championships. Uh, you know. What what is Jim Mora trying to say um, about Josh Rosen? That he's a smart kid who does doesn't just fall in line uh, and and wants to know why about things. I mean that's just a crazy criticism. And then he comes back and he's like, if if he focuses on football, like like he hasn't been focusing on football, is that what you're saying? I I just don't understand well, where his comments come from. And I think we know where the rumors about Josh Rosen not loving football have come from now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's this clown. Who right. just continually says over and over again that he doesn't love football, and you know that that's what this whole quote just says that he doesn't love football. You know, if you can get him to focus on football, he's a great football player. But you I, can't get him to focus. I just get like, and I like Sam Darnold a lot, and I talk to his coach all the time. Great guy, he's a great kid. If if his coach came out and said, you know, Sam Darnold wants to know why about the things, and he's a really smart kid with a lot of interests in life, that would be seen as a complete positive. But when it comes to Rosen, for some reason, he's not a blue-collar kid. Um, you know, Sam Darnold grew up in San Clemente. It's not exactly hard scrabble living in Orange County there. Uh, Josh Rosen is comes from a rich family. He went to UCLA. Uh, he's a smart kid with a lot of interests. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a tremendously talented NFL quarterback, or if he went to Cleveland... He wouldn't fit in socially somehow. I mean, that that's just insane. So uh, I just don't get why he's saying it. Uh, if anything, just come out and be positive like every other coach is about every other kid. Um, it's, just, it's just tiring already. 
You know what, what San Clemente is known for? San Clemente. What Do is you it know Dave Ferry? Uh, State Beach. <laughs> I've camped there a couple an, times. He, he, this is from an East Coast perspective. This is what it's known for. The 911 phone call at Burger King. Do you remember it? <laughs> no. The woman ordered her burger her way, and that's Burger King's motto. Uh, and they wouldn't make it the way she wanted it. And I think she had some unreasonable request that they couldn't do. You know, mm-hmm. like, I want, I want a burger, but it, it's got to be a turkey burger or something like that. Yeah. She called 911 uh, on Burger King and told them that they weren't making it her way and that's their advertisement that they make it her way <laughs> and she had the police come down to the drive through because she refused to leave or move her car and she was from San Clemente so that's what San Clemente is known for so Sam Darnold you know listen that's not the 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 only representation of your town but no he's he's not from Compton um there's no 911 calls coming from uh from watts you know what i'm saying about getting your burger done right so yeah well i can't believe you guys don't remember that you gotta google it google rem- the burger I remember, king 911 call yeah i remember the call i didn't know that was in san clemente that's funny oh yeah she mentioned where she was at she was at the burger king in san clemente <laughs> very very rude to her and yeah. if you remember correctly i mean brian kelly did this with deshaun kaiser yeah and, and it was a much bigger deal than it is being made here because people care what Brian Kelly has to say. Jim Moore also said no general managers have called to ask him his opinion on Josh Rosen. Well, maybe they think you're a crappy coach. Right, or they don't, yeah, they well, don't care about your opinion. You know what's is weird this, to me about it, Gorney? I remember during his recruitment, he, he could have gone anywhere he wanted, you know, but wasn't his, aren't his, isn't his family friends with the Moras? Wasn't that a big yes. thing? Yes. Yes, like uh, I believe Josh is friends with Jim's daughter, and so they both lived in Manhattan Beach. And look, I'm not, I, in in all honesty, Josh Rosen comes from a very wealthy family. Uh, there's connections to the Wharton Business School in Philadelphia. Uh, there, you know, he's a kid who who has money, and he's a kid who speaks openly and honestly, which I like. Uh, you know, when when kids. When kids just say, you know, the company line, we complain about that. When a kid is honest and open about things like when Cordell Brodus started a fight at a seven on seven in Vegas and it went into the rocks and it was a brawl, Josh Rosen looked at me and, and said, could I just play on any other team? Like, he's just a kid who is, you know, ha- has an opinion about things and he, he's not hard to deal with by any means. Uh, so he wants to know why about things. I mean, how how a coach could think he should have such control over his players that they shouldn't ask why uh, is just beyond me. So, uh, you know, I do hope Rosen falls in the first round now so he doesn't have to go to a crappy team like the Browns and get killed. Uh, and he could fall it'd be, maybe. He'd be fine at the Giants. I think that would be a good fit for him. Giants yeah. would be a good football. I mean, they're two win football team, but they're not that bad. Absolutely, you know, the, for, jet, for, the Jets are horrible, and so are the Browns. But don't forget, for, Eli Manning is Eli Manning is a guy who pulled some stuff too in his time, and never was it like, oh, he he can't fit in on an NFL team, or hopefully he focuses enough on football. I just don't understand that his teammates throughout when he was at Bosco, they loved him. When he was at UCLA, they loved him. They always defended him. Scott Quesenberry said at the combine that he's so tired of answering questions about Josh Rosen's personality, like he's just this jerk who can't be handled. So he wore an F Trump hat at Trump's golf course. That's the kind of person he is. It was immature. He would probably take it back if he could. He put a hot tub in his room. Like, like every college kid doesn't do something stupid in their lives. Um, I just don't understand the criticism. And for Jim Moore to come out and no, knowing that that criticism is out there, not to you know fully and you know support his quarterback, um, it is it's just beyond me. Hey, is Shelly Meyer Urban's wife? Yes. She has more followers than you. Than, than me? Yep. Shelly Meyer. Let me look here. Yeah. Well, the only reason... Uh, spinner Shells? That, yeah, Spinner Shells, because she came up as a potential friend on Twitter, you know, that I should follow Spinner Shells. All right, that is such fake news, Mike, and it's, from, it's very failing. Uh, I have 34,000... 
34,000. No, she has 33,000. You have 34,000? 34.1K. I have more than, than Shelly Meyer. Oh, you're right. You do by 400,000. <laughs> All right. That's, uh, I just I just looked at it and I'm like, wow, she's got a lot of followers. Yeah. And and she spins. Spinner. Well, I don't know what that means. Like like a spin, bike? Spinning, spinning class. Yeah, bike. Oh, spinning class. Yeah. She loves faith and football and family and family and spinning and stuff like that. So, Learned it from Timmy right. Tebow. Yeah, you have more followers. I thought you had less. I was wrong. But <laughs> Lamar Jackson, let's get to Lamar Jackson. Okay. Um, middle of the first round is ridiculous. That's what I'm you know, seeing all these projections now, middle of the first round. Come on now. Why is that ridiculous? Yeah. It's way too high. He's not in the league with these other guys. But is he the next Michael Vick? Is he the next Randall Cunningham? Both the, the, neither of those guys won anything. Randall Cunningham was a great quarterback, but he won nothing. Yeah, and Michael true. Vick won less than nothing. I mean, that's he true. stunk. He was the, probably the one of the least accurate, overrated quarterbacks of all time. Well, I think that's so, the problem with Jackson is that he has tremendous athleticism, but, but can he, he can throw, the, throw ball? the football? Accurate. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. So that's why if he's a first rounder, he's going to be out in the, you know, out of the league in a few years. I think he needs to go to a team that's going to be patient with him. But if he goes to the first round, like Arizona or somebody like that, uh, and they throw him in right away, he's dead. It's not going to work out. And I just came to this realization after watching his pro day, which I keep saying pro days mean nothing. Uh, and now they, they mean, mean something. Nothing. And I wrote about how Johnny Manziel shouldn't even be allowed at a pro day. It's a joke. I mean, yeah. why is he? Why is he at two pro days? Like San Diego University, and then he's at Texas A&M. Is yeah. anybody really going to take a chance on that guy? No. CFL, but not. Are these take two subjects? Did you do a Johnny Manziel one? These are take two subjects, Mike. And Lamar Jackson, you did as well. Lamar That's Jackson. That's why this stuff pops into my head because you asked me these for these amazing quotes that I give. Why weekend. why he didn't run the forty at his pro day is, you know, if he put up a really elite number, uh, you know, I, I think he didn't run it because if he put up a really ho- a good number, then the talk of him moving to wide receiver would ramp up even more. Um, yeah, and if he put up a really bad number, people would say he's not as fast or athletic, athletic, athletic as uh, people think. So I guess yeah. there's no winning. There's just levels of losing there, which is that's the story of life. You if know. you're dead set on staying at quarterback, which if a team is not going to draft him in the first round as a quarterback, but they might look at him as a first-round prospect at wide receiver, he could buy three or four years in the league learning the position, and then he could be a, a really decent wide receiver maybe. Uh, I'm kind of tired of this draft, draft class, aren't you? I am, and I'm. It's uh, it's, I think... 26 days until they're drafted and stuff like that i'm ready to i'm ready to move on and i wasn't like this the last couple draft classes but for some reason this draft class is boring me i think because we just talk about the quarterbacks over and over and over and over and we talk about baker mayfield and we listen to him and he's putting together a a list of people a a naughty list of media people that aren't treating him the right way i mean and then you're criticizing Josh Rosen's personality. I mean, Baker Mayfield is running from the Fayetteville police drunk, gets tackled, and Josh Rosen is the one with a, <laughs> with an attitude yeah. problem. That's, uh, that's just nutty. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't run his doesn't run a forty yard dash, so we really don't know how fast he is on the football field. He's incredibly fast and talented, but he refuses to change positions um, because he thinks he's a, an NFL level quarterback. Now he might move into the mid first, mid to first late round because of it. I think somebody's going to take a shot on him because he's such a dynamic athlete. But they might take a shot on him and move him. You know, they might move him right positions. They do that. You know, Jordan Reed was a quarterback, and uh, you know, down the line, Braxton Miller was a quarterback, and Terrell Pryor was a quarterback, and all the quarterbacks down the line that have changed positions, and some of them have worked out really well. So the resistance to this. I think he wants a shot at being an NFL quarterback when he realizes he might not have that ability, he would change. Um, but to be drafted only at quarterback might move him down and might cost him a whole lot of money. 
Well, why not just take a wide receiver if you're going to think about moving the guy? Yeah, I know. Although I know. the wide receivers stink in this class, yeah. too. I mean, after Ridley, it's a real... I think this whole draft class isn't very good. I think that's maybe why I'm bored with it. I, I think mean, it's very top-heavy. position by position, I, I just don't like... Like, the best offensive lineman is Quentin Nelson, and then after that, it's garbage. Yeah. You know? And not garbage, but just not anything exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, you look at the best... I mean, there's 18,000 quarterbacks, but, you know, the best running back, and then after that, it's like, eh, Darius Geis? Eh, he's okay. I don't know. I don't think he's that great. You know? I mean, linebacker's intriguing, because you got Edmonds and Roquan, but... uh. I don't know. I just I, and I thought this would be a draft class I'd be excited about because there's a lot of guys like Mika Fitzpatrick and Derwin James and guys that were five stars that we really projected very very high out of high school, not only for their ability in college but their ability at the next level. I mean, there's a ton of five stars: Deron Payne, uh, Calvin Ridley, Rashawn Evans, Roquan. I'm, but I'm not into this. Roquan was a four star because he was too small. Mm. Yeah, he was six foot one, and that was about it. Six foot and a half, so he never. And Saquon Barkley was never a five star; he was a four star because because we whiffed on that one. I'll blame Friedman. <laughs> Friedman, yeah, Friedman. Friedman will take the yeah, he'll take the hit on that one. But but yeah, Minka and 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 guys like that were five star guys, and there's just a lot of them that could go in round one, but. Still, just kind of, eh, I don't know what's missing. I'm trying to figure it out, but it doesn't excite me. I think my, my the fact that I really, really, really thought that Vernon Hargraves was going to be an absolute bust. What was that, a couple years ago? Yes. That was exciting a couple years ago. And, and then last year... Uh, Last year, I'm trying to think. Well, now Josh Allen is your big that. bust. Are you sticking with that, or do you believe in him now? No, I don't believe in him. He's going to be a bust. I think Sam Darnold's going to be a bust. Yeah. Turn the ball over like crazy. That's all he does. Yeah, we've talked about this, about you know this draft class. Everybody's so high on the quarterbacks, and three could go in the first four picks. But five years, ten years from now, we could look back at this and be like, God, what were these teams thinking with these quarterbacks? They all had real problems that were never really addressed. Yeah, and there's going to be four of them going the top six picks or so. Uh, now the Bills are looking to trade up into the top five or six to get a quarterback. So I think people are going to be paying a high price and, and, a, and a premium. I think Denver, if they don't take a quarterback, is going to make some. Uh, they're going to make make a trade and get some good picks in there. And the Colts already traded out of three down to six, and if one of those guys is available, they'll probably trade down even further. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot given up as so well if, to get some of these guys. If you're the Browns at one, you have one and four, do you take Darnold at one or do you take Barkley at one? See, I take Barkley at one. And then I then I, I remove myself from – because I'm the Browns, so I know whichever quarterback I love is going to suck. Yeah. So I, I remove myself from really making that choice all my own. I know Barkley is the elite running back. I know there's a huge drop-off from one to two at running back. So I take him number one, and then we see what the Jets and the Giants do, or the Giants-Jets in that order at two and three, and we see who's available. So if they go Rosen and Darnold, and I'm stuck with, you know, Baker Mayfield, not that he's a bad option, then that's who I go with, or I go with Josh Allen. Josh Allen, yeah. And, and it's interesting like. because the Giants, they seem to be talking like Eli will be their guy for at least a few more years. So they're not locked into a quarterback at number two. The Jets kind of are at number three. They're going to take a quarterback, I would imagine. But if Darnold is still on the board and and the, and the Browns take Barkley first, uh, I, then, then it'll be interesting to see if the Jets go on Darnold or if they take Rosen or Mayfield. It's interesting because... Uh, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns owner, general manager, I believe, head coach, offensive coordinator. They had six guys at Darnold's Pro Day. Uh, so, and, and he did well there, I guess. So um, I'd find it hard to believe they're not going to take him one. Um, but 
if by taking Sam, by taking Sam Darnold one, you're lo- you're basically losing out on Saquon Barkley, I would imagine. And Maybe, it, because I I think the Giants and the Jets have to take a quarterback as well. When you're paying eighty four million dollars guaranteed to Kirk Cousins, who's won nothing in the NFL, yeah, the the price tag on quarterbacks is so high that if you have the opportunity to draft one, especially in this draft where there's four of them that are in the top six picks, I think you take one. So even if they took Barkley, I'd say the Jets. I mean, Bucky Brooks, I'm not really sure what Bucky Brooks is thinking. He's got a couple amazing picks here. He's got uh, he's got Orlando Brown going in the first round, 16th <laughs> overall to the Ravens. Um, he's got Mayfield sliding down to 15. He's got Quentin Nelson going number two to the Giants, which Quentin Nelson, we all know, is a former five-star as well, and we love him as a talent. But if they take a guard at number two That's with amazing. quarterbacks yeah. on, on the board, I think they're, they're insane. Um, so when I look at these, you know, let's say you take Barkley and then Rosen and Mayfield go, well, there's Darnold for you. Or yeah. Allen. You know, so I think, but I think what will probably happen is Darnold will go number one, and then two and three will be quarterbacks, and then four will be Barkley to the Browns. That would be amazing. Which means for Barkley Cleveland. will blow. Yeah, but then he'll blow out his knee or something horrible <laughs> will happen to him because it's <laughs> yeah, Cleveland. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just something bad's going to happen to the poor guy. I just really hope that Josh Rosen doesn't go to the Jets because that is a, that is a, they suck. <laughs> that is like a they terminal just illness. Suck. It they pretty are much so is bad. The same thing with quarterbacks. The, the Browns and the Jets are the same thing with quarterbacks. It's just both horrible at selecting them, horrible at developing them. And I swear um, to God, I, I watch the Jets a lot for some reason. I find myself watching them. Todd Bowles stands on the sideline. It's not, he's the only coach maybe in the NFL that doesn't say a word the entire game. He just stands there. It's amazing. So I, I, don't, know if the, I don't know if the Jets are the best place for uh, Josh Rosen. And then if Saquon Barkley, my Penn State guy, if he has to go to Cleveland and, and bear that for his career, I feel so bad for him. So uh, I hope I hope Cleveland does something else. <laughs> so let's wrap this up with the Masters talk. Tiger Woods is a ten to one favorite, right? Uh, yeah, him and Spieth they're the favorites to win the Masters. I heard last That's night and I crazy. I had a few adult beverages for Easter celebrating the holiday. And I swear I heard someone say that it's the most important Masters of our lifetime. Mm. And because Tiger is back and he's the favorite to win it. And I said, calm down. You know, it's golf. Uh, Well, I mean, like I said, if he does win it, you're screwed. Because there's going to be so many people on your golf course where you live now. Yeah. You're just going to have people slicing or hooking or whatever right into your window. Because so many horrible, awful golfers will take up the sport again because Tiger won it. So uh, as somebody who plays golf here and there, and not very good, but at least I get out to get some fresh air uh, instead of sitting around watching film of (laughs) 17-year-old prospects. Um, You know, I got to root against Tiger. Because if Tiger wins it or comes close to winning it, golf is going to explode as a participant sport. So I'm kind of hoping he sucks it up, uh, you know, finishes outside of the top 10 at least. And uh, we all know Justin Thomas is probably going to win it. Yeah, I'm interested to see it. I'll watch it. I probably won't watch Thursday. I might start getting into it Friday. Over the weekend, I'll definitely watch it. Uh, We'll see. There's a new book. Did you watch yesterday? Did you watch the Houston Open? Did you watch What's-His-Face, Bo, whatever, choke? No, I didn't watch it yesterday. I, NASCAR wasn't on yesterday. I wasn't watching that, so I was watching baseball, I think. He looked like me. So what he did is off the tee, he sliced one into a bunker. On 18? On 18 in a playoff. Oh, okay. Right? One whole playoff. Slices one into a bunker, then goes from that bunker and duffs one into another bunker. Oh, boy. Then a greenside bunker. Then he chunks his bunker shot out of the greenside bunker into the water which is just over the green uh and then he drops chips up triple bogeys a par four 
which looked like a pretty simple par four. And he lost to Ian Poulter, who, by the way, appears to be a real jerk. Really? Uh, and most people think that Ian Poulter is a jerk. I mean, he's a guy who beats the U.S. in the Ryder Cup all the time. Yeah. But the rumor on the tour is that he's a real jerk, and he really came off as a jerk yesterday, I felt. But he ended up winning, and now he's in the Masters. If he didn't win, he wasn't going to be in the Masters, and blah, blah, blah. So there's but a new book about Tiger Woods, and Armin Katayan wrote it <clears throat> with someone else. I'm sorry, I forget the name. But Tiger Woods people say that there's a lot of myth in the, in the book but one of the stories in it is that tiger was told to stay away from michael jordan when he was coming up when he was a young kid and to stay away from greg norman which offends me because greg norman has one of the best restaurants in myrtle beach south carolina and uh i think uh, he's a good guy because of that restaurant but staying michael jordan's away from... got a good restaurant chain too does he really i've never eaten there yeah it's michael jordan's steakhouse you've never been to one no no Eric, too. Our former boss, Eric Winter, years. never went, never took me to one. No, he took us to more expensive steakhouses than that. <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, so... It's Stay away from him for what reason? Because they were so, gamblers? I guess so. It said, Michael, the quote from the guy is, Michael can play basketball as well as anyone who's ever played the game. There isn't anything else that Michael is good at doing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> he's oh, had, nice. And he's had too many years being out of the public, so he's going to try to use you. Which is amazing. I mean, you're this young, up-and-coming golfer. You've basically been bred from birth to be a star in the world. And then Michael Jordan comes to you, and now people are telling you to stay away from him because he's going to just try to use you. What, being a celebrity must be awful. Um, yes, it is, if you're asking. <laughs> very, very difficult. Yesterday at Easter at the buffet, I was interrupted numerous times while trying to yeah. down oh. pound after pound of bacon. Yeah, <laughs> only three cuts of prime rib, sir. They kept coming up to me looking for autographs and like, aren't you that guy and all this other stuff. It's really <laughs> annoying, especially here in Broadbrook, Connecticut, because it's such a small town that I'm a local celebrity. So that's why I don't leave my house much. <laughs> yeah, that's so, why. Yeah. The so compound. It really does suck. Well, I think we I think we did it again, boys. I think another, we really hit a home, another hit a solid home episode. <laughs> oh, should be another three hundred people. I mean, we're never going to get traction at this rate. I don't know what to do. Well, here's what I we mean, could do: the, the three hundred people who are listening, if we, anybody could leave us a review on iTunes, that would definitely help us out. Um, but definitely follow us on Twitter too: at Rivals Mike, at Real Day Barry, and at Adam Gorney. We'll see you guys again third? next week. Oh, are you th- I'm trying to get followers. I have way less followers than you. I have more than Shelly Meyer. I, I need all the help I can get. Shelly Meyer status. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go take a nap.